Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm Kirsten Yale, Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. The COVID-19 pandemic has changed how you practice and engage with clients. Many of your practices and programs are being forced to adapt to a telehealth environment. To help get you up to speed, today and over the next few episodes, we'll review the basics of telehealth, dive into your questions, and understand how this platform can truly serve your clients and employers. In today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome ADCES Director of Diabetes Education and Prevention Programs, Sasha Ullman. We'll cover the basics of telehealth and how it can best serve your needs. Sasha, welcome to the huddle. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, we are really happy to have you here, and especially since we're talking about telehealth and the 1135 emergency waiver. You know as well as I do that much of the work we do here at ADCES results in creating or sometimes changing federal policies. And those policies really have a big impact on how healthcare is delivered and really the health of our population. Today, I want to talk specifically about the 1135 emergency waiver because it's pretty important to the work that diabetes care and education specialists do. You know, it was a collaborative effort shaped by multiple organizations and stakeholders and honestly approved in record time. And you were really an integral part of that collaborative team. So I know you really well as a colleague, but for our listeners that aren't as familiar with your work, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role in introducing the changes in this waiver? Yeah, sure. Back in about 2006, I started working in diabetes care and education as a registered dietitian and a diabetes educator in a large health system, the University of Michigan Health System. And shortly after that, I took over as the director of the program and the quality coordinator. And so I led a group of, by the end, nine staff in our diabetes education program there. After about nine years there, I moved on to the American Diabetes Association, where I was the director of nutrition and worked closely with our education recognition team there. And then in August, I accepted this wonderful position at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists leading our diabetes education accreditation program. So I oversee our over 800 diabetes self-management education and support programs who are accredited through ADCES, programs that are accredited in order to receive reimbursement for diabetes self-management education, or DSMT as it's referred to by CMS, which is Diabetes Self-Management Training a program needs to have either accreditation from ADCES or recognition from ADA. And so in course of that work, responding to requests from our members and our program coordinators, 
We collaborated with the American Diabetes Association colleagues, as well as the Endocrine Society, to request CMS to consider some additional concerns that we had for people with diabetes moving forward during this national emergency. Fantastic. Well, we're lucky to have you here at ADCES um, as of our members. So it's interesting you're talking about working with ADA and our other partner organizations to make these changes. They were pretty sweeping changes and they're temporary, I know, but can you talk about where we were just two weeks ago? Yes. So two weeks ago, most diabetes self-management education support programs were furnished or delivered one-on-one or in group sessions. And CMS, which is the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, Medicare basically, for their beneficiaries, they would allow people with diabetes to attend DSMES with an appropriate referral. And typically they required participants to attend in group settings. So most of our DSMES programs were facilitating group settings with 10 to 20 participants with diabetes at one time through multiple sessions. CMS also allows um, their standard DSMES or DSMT approvals allow one hour of individual and nine hours of group training unless there are other circumstances. And those circumstances do need to be documented by the physician, such as language barriers or other types of barriers that may limit someone from being able to participate in a group. But it's clear that someone who just doesn't like groups was not an acceptable answer. It has to be a clinical reason why they cannot attend a group session and could be approved to do one-on-one sessions. And this was primarily, you said, for people living in rural areas, right? It wasn't for somebody who could easily access a health system or education, right? Well, previously, so let's kind of get to, that was kind of the state of DSMES a few weeks ago. And there has been a lot of talk about telehealth. So up until a couple of weeks ago, a lot of our coordinators were trying to navigate the situation with telehealth. And as you're mentioning, for rural areas, it was really important for people who can't get to a main center where there are diabetes education programs that are offered in group settings. So a lot of our members have been over the last year trying to navigate how to implement telehealth, but also they need to be reimbursed for these services in order to be able to sustain them. So prior to this, there has been a fair bit of confusion, mainly because under the current rules, CMS only has select providers who are able to furnish these services within the scope of their practice consistent with Medicare benefit rules that apply to all these services. And while registered dietitians were on the list and certified nurse midwives and certified nurse anesthetists, licensed clinical social workers, clinical psychologists, PAs, nurse practitioners, and physicians, registered nurses and pharmacists were not on that list. And the problem with that is that under the current CMS rules, as an accredited or recognized program, there are different professionals who are recognized or utilized in DSMT. And the most predominant professionals that you are going to encounter in an accredited or recognized program are going to be registered nurses, registered dietitians, and pharmacists. And so as I rattled off the list of people approved to provide telehealth, 
registered nurses and pharmacists were not included. And so it's been a little bit confusing because although registered dietitians can provide DSMT through telehealth, over 50% of our quality coordinators and possibly more of our instructors in these programs are registered nurses. And adding more challenge to the situation, a lot of our pharmacies who are providing DSMES are in rural areas or in areas where there aren't other resources available for DSMES. And so eliminating them from the ability to shift to telehealth services has been a real challenge. And we're very concerned about our members and working with CMS to advocate to include all of the people that are approved to provide DSMES under the current legislation for regular DSMT or DSMES to also be able to provide DSMES via telehealth. Yeah, so this sounds like a pretty big issue. Can I back up for a second and ask, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, but what was the thinking about why not include them? Or was it just not thought about? I, you know, one of our advocacy person has shared that DSMT, as far as regulation, is kind of like a unicorn in the whole billion reimbursement landscape, especially with CMS. And that is what we're experiencing. It's a very unique benefit and it has very unique rules. The way that these benefits are approved takes an act of Congress essentially to change. And so it's a little tricky to figure out where this came from. But telehealth services didn't apply specifically to DSMT. The way they have set up the telehealth services, as I mentioned, they have only select providers who could furnish them. For example, registered dietitians just happen to be on that list and also can furnish DSMT. But DSMT or DSMES are not necessarily called out in that waiver as approved services, but dietitians can facilitate those programs via telehealth because it's within the scope of their practice. Okay. I think I'm understanding this here. So is the current thinking that this new waiver, is it going to be difficult to make that change within the waiver because it's not currently under their scope of practice? Good question. So what we're working with CMS right now to do is through this 1135 waiver, which is an emergency waiver. And so originally our ask was we had a few different requests for CMS because there are a few other issues aside from even the nurse and pharmacist issue right now. A couple of things were resolved. So to back up a little bit, previously any participants with diabetes could not receive these services or anyone for telehealth for that matter, aside from a couple unique cases, had to travel to a hospital site in order to receive telehealth services. And the only people that had access to telehealth services were those living in designated rural areas. So telehealth, really, we weren't seeing much of it. As we talked to our members, some of the challenges in these rural areas in getting telehealth set up relate to the type of technology required. And oftentimes in these rural areas, there are Wi-Fi issues. Potentially, the participants don't have that real-time connectivity to be able to access telehealth anyway. So can I jump in here? This has always been interesting to me, even before the waiver happened, this in rural areas, having to go to a site to receive telehealth. <laughs> um, right. And, and I wonder, and many of these people, I mean, maybe there's mobility issues or disability issues that we're dealing with. So why was that put in originally that they had to go to a site? I honestly am not sure. 
why that was, you know, listed. I think a lot of these policies came into play before we got to this current day and age where there are so many technologies available. And even just four or five years ago, when I was a quality coordinator myself in a diabetes education program, I mean, even things like, you know, having a diabetes education page on Facebook to communicate with our members, not for diabetes education, but just for news and updates and here's our classes and our support groups, was not really something that we were doing or able to do. There were still concerns of security and that kind of thing. So I think we're just coming into an age right now, technology has moved faster than our healthcare system has been able to keep up. There's definitely um, HIPAA concerns and other things that I think just didn't get worked out. Technology will continue to move faster than our system can manage. And it's really interesting to be in this day and age as you're talking through this, where I think we as healthcare providers can see what technology can do for the health of our population. But the bureaucracy that we're, like you said, it's like moving mountains in order to make some of these things happen. And then a national emergency happens and you realize it's not just a perk anymore. It's a necessity for our health. Absolutely. The concern right now is with people with diabetes lacking access to their diabetes care and education specialists who are supporting these people in preventing. I mean, one of many of the things that diabetes care and education specialists do in working with our participants, we can prevent unnecessary hospitalizations, unnecessary ER visits. There's evidence to show that we do that. Also thinking of people being in their homes, not having access to their usual foods, their usual activities, diabetes distress, and and it's not even, it's beyond that right now. Just the stress of living in these circumstances. And that's what our members are doing every day is talking to people. Just simply the stress can raise your blood sugar. So these current circumstances increase the need for diabetes care and education specialists to be engaged and involved with their participants. But via telehealth, they can do this if they can be reimbursed. So that is where our huge drive is right now, is working with CMS. But as you can imagine, as we work with CMS through this waiver, which the waiver won't change things long-term, the waiver, we're hoping that the waiver team will understand our concerns so that we can include all diabetes care and education specialists We're not asking for major changes just to make sure that those instructors who are approved to provide DSMES can also do that via telehealth. We're running up to the end of our time here, but I want to say, Sasha, that I'm looking at this optimistically. Like, I think sometimes it takes a jolt like this into our system to say, why aren't you doing this? Look what could be happening. And maybe some of these changes that we're making in this emergency situation could be, I mean, it'll take some work, but could be something that we could implement longer term as long as we're documenting and carrying through. As we say goodbye, I know we have many more conversations we're going to have over the next few weeks, but as we say goodbye today, do you have anything for our listeners, any words of wisdom you want to leave them? You know, I would just encourage our diabetes care and education specialists to work with their leadership 
while CMS is just one part of reimbursement and we are working as hard and fast as we can with them, work with your leadership to reiterate the importance of what you're doing and that telehealth communications or communicating with your participants the understanding that you are going to prevent them from further complications and we know this and risks during this crisis as we hear diabetes mentioned throughout all of these emergency conversations is one of the diseases where there's concerns for increased risk if they do get COVID-19. So we just want to prevent that from happening and make sure our patients are safe and can get the care they need from home. Well, and if there's any group that can make it happen, it's this group, this Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. I know we can. So I think we're going to say goodbye. I have loved having you on the show, and I am looking forward to many more interviews over the next couple of weeks, Sasha. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In this episode, We learned about the basics of telehealth and how it can serve the immediate needs of your clients, practice, and employers. For more information about COVID-19, including free recorded webinars and the latest information on telehealth guidance, please visit diabeteseducator.org forward slash COVID-19. Check back over the coming days as we release new episodes to help you utilize this vital technology. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice, and it is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.